Good afternoon, Print Hustlers. We are here. We've got a very special guest again with us, Ian Sherber from Duluth, Minnesota. All of Duluth screen printing. You're repping it right on the uh, on the sleeve, right there, or on the pocket. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. First of all, Ian, thank you so much for being able to join us. No problem. It's a pleasure. I love uh, being able to obviously reach out in the community and talk to people that are involved with the print hustle themselves, and also you know speaking with you on a great product you have. We love it. So it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. First, you're a young guy. Uh, how old are you right now? 24. 24. Okay. Yeah, and I, I feel even weird saying that just because I'm only 29. But at the same <laughs> time, I mean, you know, you're you're just coming out pretty fresh, too. So you're running a print shop, though. First of all, just tell us about the shop. Like, what is it right now? So I do a screen printing up in Duluth. Um, we started four years ago or semi started or restarted. However, you know, we want to say that and I'll go into explaining that. But, uh, you know, we founded on the ideals that a t-shirt, you know, is really meant to be a t-shirt. So everything that we print on and we stand behind and we're using the best blanks that we can, just like every other guy in the industry. But, uh, we found that there was a huge hole in the market in Duluth with customer service, but also providing something that actually lasts. And that was our big goal. Um, so we set up shop four years ago, and uh, we've been kicking out product ever since. We went from uh, a workhorse that I bought, and again, I'll probably get into that whole story, um, to an automatic workhorse, to two automatics, to a big boy uh, automatic, and then a few manuals, and a rapid tag, vinyl machines, embroidery, everything else to follow. So it's been fun. That's awesome. How many yeah. people do you guys have at the shop? So we have uh, this summer, we opened up a retail store and combined with the retail store, uh, our customer service center down there and the manufacturing uh, facility, we're just around the 19, 19 employee mark, um, 12 full timers. And then in between there is just people for the retail store and some some sales reps and some other stuff like that. So yeah, it's been uh, That's awesome. It's crazy. So 19 people and rough revenue for this year, I guess, or last year. Oh. Uh, rough revenue, I'd say. So when we started out, you know, first year we hit the 300,000 mark, which is super fun. And now we're looking at just getting over that $2 million mark between, um, Duluth screen printing and our, and our new retail store called flagship. So it's a really fun thing and, and we love it. Wait, yeah. wait, last year was 300,000. This year is just so over. First year we started, which had been 2015, uh, reporting revenue of like 300 K. Okay. And then last year, uh, we just cleared the million mark. And then this year we're pretty much going to double it. So. Oh, got it. Got it. That's yeah. awesome. That's huge yeah. growth, especially going from one to two in a year. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I'm going to definitely want to dive into that one as well. So cool. first going back, you, you know, you're 24 years old. Most people yep. are coming out of school at around 21, 22. So what, first of all, how did this get started? I think a lot of people are just going to ask, how do you get money to even buy, you know, an automatic press? But before that, Let's just go back to the beginning. How did you get involved in screen printing? Yeah, pretty simple. Um, and this goes into a huge lifestyle story that you know I, I tell uh, just out of fun. So I was 13 years old, and I was pretty much going into, uh, I think it was high school at that time. So going into high school, 13 years old, football practice, um, and I was basically leaving one day, and I remember the coach you know, saying something about needing some T-shirts for a rivalry football game. And he said it once and I didn't even pick up on it and I ended up leaving that day and I knew that I, I needed a job, right? Like every every kid, you know, I'm going into high school, I wanted to find a job for some extra cash. I ended up asking the 
one of the librarians at the high school. Um, just that day, he was out in the parking lot, and I saw him, and I asked him, hey, you know, you looking for any work? Because I knew that his brother owned a hardware store in town. So he uh, made a phone call, and he basically set up a little interview with me and the gentleman down at the uh, the hardware store, which his name is Lee. I went down there on my bike, not even a car at the time, and I, I pull in, and, and Lee's kind of sitting in the uh, parking lot, and super long story short, he's looking at me, and the job was moving lumber for you know the rest of the fall, and I'm 13 years old, 120 pounds, and he <laughs> he pretty much knew right there that it wasn't gonna work. But as we're talking like this, you know, similar conversation face to face, I'm noticing left and right over his shoulder that he's got a few guys unloading some equipment, and I kind of just asked him the question, and this is when the stars kind of aligned, but you know he brushed it off, oh yeah, it's just some screen printing equipment, uh, you know, Craigslist mistake, what have you. And, you know, he explained that it was custom T-shirt equipment. You know, he's like, yeah, it's just, you know, silkscreen press and, you know, this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So it makes – Wait, he, he accidentally bought screen or he owned it and was trying to sell it? He So he was unloading it into his facility, and he's a big auction guy. And it, I think he got it through, like, a big auction because uh, he's a okay. store owner and he buys a bunch of tools. So it sounds like it was just one of those things that he found online and thought he could get into. And it was also in a bundle of, like, some other equipment. Got it. Wait, yeah, so. you said at 13, though, you, you were looking for a job. Is it because you wanted to buy something? Or, you know, what was the motivation between yeah, wanting to work yeah. at 13? So, you know, the Duluth, Minnesota, the Iron Range, it's not a super well, uh, you know, high-income area. Everybody kind of struggles a little bit, and everybody's got, a, a, I guess, a chip on their shoulder. And I grew up and just didn't have a lot of money. I had, you know, four brothers. My mom and dad uh, struggled to, you know, find good-paying jobs that they could consistently keep. Um, and you know, my backgrounds, it's kind of born a little bit out of alcoholism, like I'm sure many other people, but they struggled to keep their jobs. And, and a lot of the, a lot of that, those normal day, everyday tasks became a little more difficult. And with, with some financial help, uh, it was easier. A lot of that stuff fell onto me and my older brothers and then me for my younger brothers too. So a lot of the drive to, yeah, you know, want a job was based out of just doing better for your brothers and taking care of the family. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So just to zip it back in, but I met Lee and he basically was, yep, this is screen printing equipment. I don't have a job for you. You're 120 pounds. I'll see you later. And uh, I left next day at football. Again, the coach is looking for shirts. Uh, and I piped up and I was like, yeah, I can, I can do it. I can make you some t-shirts. And I was, again, you know, freshman on the football team, shouldn't have been talking to the head coach. And I was, and he's like, all right, well, you know, get me a quote, I guess. So I go home you know, fake quote, looking up what custom inks, you know, selling merch for. And this is 2009, basically mm -hmm. yeah, going in 2009 and uh, looking up some stuff. And I end up three color print, Gildan BFT, like 475 a piece for 200 shirts. Just giving them kind of, kind, yeah, kind of a sweet little deal. And I, you know, I slide him the piece of paper and he kind of chuckles a little bit and signs off on it. And he's like, all right. So I took that piece of paper, basically a purchase order walked down to uh, the hardware store and talked to Lee and was like, hey, man, I think we can make this work. And he just had that that big grin, like, you know, turn this kid away. And he comes back two days later with a purchase order for 200 T-shirts. And from there, it was a serendipitous. Wait, did you write that? Did you print out a blank invoice or something or did you just write it in a piece of paper? Just, it was like, a, you know, I Googled like fake purchase order quote. And yeah. every, any online thing I could find, I filled in all the information just so that right. my coach could sign off on it. And it looked semi-legit. Right. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So I, I hustled that and uh, he you accepted it. You went back to the, to, the, to the guy with the equipment? 
back, right, right back to the guy with the equipment and uh, he accepted it. And that's sort of a really cool relationship where I was going in freshman year and I, I uh, you know, was involved in some sports and Proctor is kind of known for not having, Proctor High School where I went is, is known for not having a bunch of school spirit. So at least at that time, there just wasn't a major apparel provider or that small town embroidery or silk screen shop. So for us, it worked really well because I was able to get in as a freshman and start creating, you know, school and spirit wear for my peers, for the sports organizations. How, how much was the equipment and what was it? Yeah, it was 4x4, four 4x4 four, four four workhorse and just a four-foot chamber dryer, and that was really it. It's all we really like a needed. a little buddy or? little buddy, basically. Yeah, That's little awesome. buddy. Yeah. What about, did it come with like a booth and all that, like a washout booth and exposure? No, and so stuff like all this, all this stuff was just basically... He kept it at, a, at his facility, and I just worked with him through, basically through high school is what I'm getting at. Um, and he had it at this little facility, and he had enough stuff to to make it work. And it was it was a pretty good setup because he's a pretty handy guy. You know, they're hard store owners and they're entrepreneurs themselves, and they found ways to make everything work. And it was uh, it was a really great uh, experience for me when it comes to printing, just because I wasn't using horrible equipment where it was extremely frustrating. Um, but I also wasn't using top-notch stuff, so I learned sure. a lot. How did you learn about the screen printing piece then? Like, did YouTube. he show you or just YouTube? YouTube, because he's going, you know, yeah, it's, it Craigslist mistakes. It, it makes custom T-shirts, and I, I'm like, I can sell these. I already did it. I got a YouTube how this works. So yeah. I'm doing all my back-end knowledge research. Just like Catspit and Ryanet videos? And... Right, the, the traditional way of doing it. So those guys yeah. are showing up on YouTube, and I have no idea – how this stuff works and they're providing a great little insight as to how the whole system of screen printing can be built. And it was really cool. I learned a lot. Um, but then through Lee, uh, himself, I learned a bunch too. So yeah. So through him, I learned a bunch and it was really cool. And that was for three years, three years, four years, kind of going Wait, through. Did, did you end up printing that job for 200 shirts? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were like, happy with it? So. It was a super dusty facility and they were just white t-shirts and it was probably like a great experience, but also, you know, if you dropped a shirt, you're losing, you know, a few bucks. So they were happy. <laughs> we got the, the order fulfilled and uh, I learned a lot from it. But I remember like just our spacing on our registration, we designed something that had like, you know, eighth inch or maybe even a quarter of an inch spacing between the colors just so that we didn't have to have super tight registration. Just kind of oh, getting away smart. from it. Most yeah. people wouldn't even think about that, you know. No, it, it, and it worked. It was really cool. Um, but I spent my time at Proctor High School for the next three years just developing those accounts and working with the school and working with the organizations that I was a part of. And this is super funny, but Livestrong was big at the time, and I ended up basically copying a Nike shirt to an epitome of what Nike would be. And uh, the, it's Proctor Rails, the mascot's a, a Rails, which is train. It's a railroading community. Mm-hmm. And I basically took the Nike symbol and, and re- remade it into a train. And then instead of it saying live strong, rail strong, did this little thing just to make some, some cash. Basically, while I was going to school, selling it to friends. The school loved it. They put it in the library, started selling a bunch of apparel. And they end up like adopting adopting rail strong as the school motto. And they end up paying me like five grand just to like, really? yeah, it's just crazy. Like this crazy, cool little experience that I had a when blast. Did, when did they buy or when did they buy that from you? Two years after I left school. And so, who, who, who put out five grand? The school did. The school is like basically the board of directors at the school because they're like, well, how does this all play into who owns and who generated this idea? It was a little wishy-washy because this is a six-year-old 
term that I kind of coined and developed and knocked off whatever you want to say and the sure. school and loving it and I think it just felt they felt like they didn't own it outright and I never said anything to them but they contacted me and were just like hey you know we're looking at getting rid of this and this would have been like my the end of my freshman year in college kind of going back to back home is when I kind of got the the meeting with those guys to discuss just dishing that off so it's kind of fun how did you uh so were you still printing in school or just during the summer like a college or all school long so yeah so take you through high school really quick Uh, i printed all school long loved it at night in between hockey games and and uh baseball games whenever i had time to go print i would early in the morning late at night anytime printed all summer long and then it's senior year and i'm basically um I want to have a little bit of fun, but I'm making really good money doing the printing. And I was up in the air as to if I was going to go to college or not, just because, you know, a lot of my peers didn't go to school afterwards and everybody just kind of got into the, the labor force and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually went and I brought a packet and this is just really, really funny. And I, I'll try to circle around back on it, but I brought like a packet of basically all the purchase orders, all my sales, all my accounts to a local screen printer in town. And I asked for a job because I didn't know if I was going to go to college or not. And I said, hey, I graduated in, in May and I'm looking for a full-time job in sales. And I'm, you know, I'm 17 and these guys wouldn't even open up this book of customers. And at the time, it was probably worth eighty-five dollars to $100,000 in just, you know, in, in accounts, you know, which isn't sure. a ton, but it's, of course, a lot. And, yeah. you know, every customer counts. Well, you so. could talk the talk, too. And, and plus, uh, being as probably not a large city, you know, there's – For sure. You can really it's, tap it. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of where it was really interesting is they just didn't see the value in it and didn't give me the time of day. And uh, I can tell you right now we're kind of a big thorn in those guys' sides in town these days. So it's kind are of they a, still, Are they still in business? Yeah, they're still in business. So the big, that's funny. Big, the big dogs in town. And uh, one of their main sales reps is the guy that I actually met with when I was 18. And it's just kind of a, a funny uh, a funny communication thing that I have with him whenever I see him. And we kind of chat about that. So it's funny. That's funny. Then instead of going to work, did you go to college or what? Yeah, so I, I was loving the business stuff. And screen printing really allowed me to fall in love with design, actually printing, and then talking to people. I, I didn't sure. really realize how much I actually loved just customer service and communicating with people and seeing how they can take a product or an idea and actually you know provide it to them. So I had a blast doing it. And that opened the door as you know for college to be a possibility just because I didn't really know. So I took off to uh, St. John's University, which is just two hours south of Duluth in mm-hmm. central Minnesota. And I took off and started my track to entrepreneurial minor and then a, a global business major. So I also thought I was done screen printing. You know, I, I thought about it for a long time and I was like, hey, this was super fun, but you know, I'm gonna go to college now and I'm gonna take off and go study. And this is so funny, but I ended up getting to school and it's maybe two and a half weeks in and I'm sitting at my desk just like this, you know, typing away on some homework and I get an email and the school's like, hey, you know, you owe $19,000 in tuition. And I turn to my roommate and I'm like, Sam, like it says I owe money to go like to go to school. And I was just so clueless as to how the whole system worked. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's laughing. He's like, yeah, like you got to get a loan. And I was like, no, I don't get it. Like, don't they just like bill you or like attach it to your social security number when you leave here? And he's like, no, like you got to pay to I, I, completely oblivious to the whole situation. And not two seconds later, a guy knocks on the door and I open it up and it's a senior who's just trying to sell t-shirts, right? He's trying to sell t-shirts to a, a party 
and uh, the shirt had like 24 beer cans on it. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, it's 20 bucks a piece. You got to buy it to uh, get into all the parties. And I just looked at the shirt and I knew my background and instantly my wheels were turning. And I was like, I'm not going to buy that. Right. And it's also ridiculous. 2000. Just. Yeah. 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 He's trying to sell, you know, he's trying to sell all these T-shirts. And if you, you know, if you're 18 years old on a college campus and you're crossing out beer cans on your shirt, you're going to get in trouble. Right. It's a dead indicator that you've been drinking. So. I ended up developing with my roommate at the time, uh, just a regular comfort colors pocket tee. And on the pocket was like a few beer cans. And then it had a little bikini top draped over the top that we made up and uh, had this funny little saying that was just like case day, 20, whatever, 2012, 2013, uh, show me your cans. So then we printed on the inside of the shirt, lifted it up, all the cans and it was a hit and it was super funny and I almost got kicked out of a, a Catholic college and paid for my tuition in cash all in the same week. So it was kind of a crazy little ordeal. Holy cow. So yeah. did you print that shirt or no? Yeah, we ended up uh, just ordering like a ordering screens online, getting them like pre-burned with Ryanette, sent okay. over to us, desktop press and just basically rifling out the shirts in the dorm room. That's awesome. That's super yeah. cool. Do you still have that press? We actually, and this is super funny, but right after that, I was like, well, we got to start subbing this stuff out. We had a lot of demand and we could tell we could make money on all these little, you know, these little parties or events that are happening at school, like homecoming and stuff. So we sold all that equipment and I actually went and started working with the local, uh, like on-campus screen printing shop called the T-Spot. And it was a student-ran organization and it still exists today. But when I got to school, the T-Spot wasn't using their equipment. They started out about five, six years ago before that. And then over time, you know, as anybody can imagine, I'm sure everybody can relate to this, but over time, you know, students just weren't uh, picking up on screen printing and it was hard to pass it on after they were trained in. So the whole idea of students running their their own print shop just fell apart because uh, there was no external professor or teacher or instructor that was actually helping them do it. It was just those guys and and uh, and in a house. So it was this old house on campus filled with screen printing equipment. I got to school and uh, knew how to print. So we started up the press and started printing stuff again. Super fun. That's awesome. Wait, yeah. so so going through school and I'm assuming you're building up more and more sales and, and you know, because everybody, especially on college campus with the clubs, organizations, the college itself, the sports teams. Yeah. Everybody needs merch. Everybody needs merch. So we were doing whatever we could to obviously find little holes and continue to, you know, provide apparel to any organization on campus. But how did you, how did you market on campus more? Like was it flyers or was this? It was a small enough school where everybody knew who was, who was printing the t-shirts and you were either getting them from one guy or a different guy. It was, it was two of us on campus that were doing it and the, the better shirt would always win. So we just did our best to create cool stuff that uh, people loved and we'd make our money on those big like the big homecoming shirts where we'd sell you know three four thousand t-shirts and then anytime a you know organization on campus wanted wanted merch we'd meet up with them and print it uh, and the t-spot still exists today and they still do that um, and I helped them for about I think a year and a half maybe two years just printing and working there and then I actually ended up meeting my uh, my girlfriend there and she's now my wife so it's kind of a little love story that starts to happen there too so she applied to be like keep it in the family. That's yeah, awesome. The family. She applied to be like a graphic designer, and I was on the board of hiring, and I hired her. So it's kind of sweet, <laughs> sweet little deal. 
That's trying great. to crush the course, yeah. That's um, great. So, so after, so wait, so right when graduating though, did you go full time at the business or like when did Duluth screen printing kind of start after that? Yeah. So we ended up, so Mary and I uh, started dating probably six months after she started working there. And, you know, we both wanted to start an outdoor clothing company. We both wanted to start sewing like heavy duty canvas uh, backpacks and luxury goods and um, we're in a city right now with a company called Duluth Pack and Frost River. And those guys are, you know, some of the best wax canvas, heavy duty backpack, uh, manufacturers in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was really inspired from them coming from Duluth and I wanted to do it in a different way. So Mary and I started a, a company called Neverest, leaving the T-Spot and started our own business. And we mm-hmm. started manufacturing backpacks out of uh, recycled or reclaimed materials. So stuff like used used leather that may, might have like scars on it where, you know, they wouldn't click it out and use it as a piece. Instead, they'd throw it away. You know, we'd find that leather and we'd ca- call a manufacturer and they'd ship us, you know, all this stuff that is technically defaulted, but it just has a really cool story. So our goal was to start selling backpacks that all together had a lot of really cool materials and told a really unique story. Do you still do that now? So super crazy. We, uh, and this is kind of, you know, getting into your question as to how Duluth screen printing and everything got started. Mary and I ran the business for two and a half years and we hit like $70,000 in revenue over like three months. And I looked at her and I was like, Hey, we got it. We got a year and a half left of school. I think we should drop out. I think I should drop out, take this full time. Like this is our opportunity to make something really cool. And she looked at me and is basically like, if we drop out, you know, you're not going to have a future with me. So the ultimatum kept me in school and uh, we basically did our best to continue manufacturing product. But she was so kind enough to come up with an idea to how we could get out of school early and pursue the business full time. And that was through a a study abroad trip that we had, we would have had to do in the summer. And this is when everything starts to just absolutely snowball and and stuff gets crazy. So it is now May of 2015 and it's May 1st. And the school has just notified me that all the Neverest equipment, the the bag making company, uh, all the sewing machines, leather, clickers, all that stuff had to be removed off campus and it couldn't be stored there because we were a for-profit company on campus. So they told me I had to get rid of all of it and move it away for the summer. And it wasn't two, three hours later that the student that was in charge of running the T-Spot at that time had decided that they are going to sell all of their equipment. They're no longer going to do it in-house. They're going to outsource everything and they want to sell all of their stuff. So they called me and asked me if I would sell it and just find a, you know, find a buyer, sell it. I knew some people in the industry, of course, and they'd give me like 10% on the equipment. You know, it's worth 20 grand. I make 2000 bucks. I'm going to go to Europe with Mary. We're going to study abroad. And then, you know, when we come back, we'll, we'll basically be done with school. Sure. Sure. So T-Spot, um, you know, that conversation continues and I line up a buyer. We show up at the shipping container. We open it up and half the stuff's missing. Buyer gets cold feet and walks away. And, uh, you know, we're basically sitting there and the, uh, who stole it or was it even included? It was basically what happened is like I said, it was in this old house and the school demolished the house and they had to get rid of all the stuff. And when the school went in to do that, they just ended up throwing a bunch of the stuff away. I think they had on, on a, in a document, they had like 82 gallons of ink, unused, unopened. I remember just seeing them like a massive value, you know, to this guy. And 
they had two, they had a, a, a workhorse quartz dryer that was eight feet long, uh, a six, six manual a iMac desktop, just a bunch of really great equipment, a vinyl cutter, you name it. I mean, it was basically a little print shop, right? It was, it was a great little setup. Um, but half the stuff was missing. The guy got cold feet and I had 4,000 bucks in my pocket that I was taking to the bank to pay for our flights and our, basically our down deposit for studying abroad. And I turned and just said, Hey, I can, can give you 4,000 bucks right now for all this stuff. And that person said yes. And that student basically accepted the 4,000 bucks and I got a full print shop. It was probably worth about 40,000 when it was all said and done. And there was some things missing, but nothing astronomical to where it should have decreased the value to have that first guy walk away. Where'd I had you move the stuff to, to a house or to a retail spot. So I had to go back to, you know, go back to Mary and basically tell her that I just spent all of her money on screen printing equipment. And now we have to move a full screen printing shop and all of our manufacturing equipment for Neverest off of campus. And we leave in 15 days. And she looked at me and is like, we don't have any money. I bought that flight. I'm getting on it. You're either with me or not. If you want a future, I'll see you on the plane. So that motivated me and obviously everything else that was going on to uh, get the wheels turning. And I hopped on Craigslist, found a place back home in Duluth. I knew I'd have friends up here that could help me through the summer if I needed help. And I ended up uh, driving all this stuff up, moving everything in, setting up shop. Mary got up here. She started cranking up bags for Neverest. So we had, you know, some some product to fulfill while we were gone because we obviously mm-hmm. couldn't you know, continue to sew up canvas leather goods. You know, it's impossible. So she was making inventory and I ended up hiring a, a gentleman today who is one of my best friends from high school who's still is probably our hardest worker. Um, his name is Wes and he's still with us today. Ended up hiring him and training him in and he learned the whole process in about 10 days. And I took off for Europe and studied abroad. Mary and I left and when we came back, you know. So he, he was manufacturing the bags. He was training on everything, to be honest. Okay. So he was gotcha. training on fulfillment. Mary made most of the product so we didn't have to fulfill the bags. And Wes was basically doing the screen printing. Where were you selling these bags? So they were all on our website basically. And then we had, I mean, we had an Instagram of I think right around 7,000 people that were following us at the time. We did like a, a Shopify. Uh, yeah, it, was a, it was a Squarespace website that we just okay. developed in school. It was, it was awesome. Um, it was really cool. It was a great experience, but. Is this still up online? Ah, uh, no, it's not. I ended up actually selling the business to oh, okay. uh, get an automatic uh, screen printing press for DSP. How do you feel about that? She felt relieved, believe it or not. You know, she wasn't sewing anymore. And like I said, that's that's more of the love story that I can that I'll get into. But it was just kind of this crazy, crazy experience. And uh, yeah, long story short, I took off. Uh, we took off together. We went and studied abroad and we came back. Business was doing great. And I ended up buying I took an SEO class like sophomore year of college and I bought a bunch of domain names. Uh, Duluth screen printing was one of them. And I was just so surprised that it, you know, wasn't taken and Duluth itself carries a really strong, rich name to it. Um, if you're, especially if you're from the Midwest or maybe even just, uh, Minnesota in general, um, it's really rich in, in just hard work, manufacturing, mining. It's a big freshwater port. It's a really cool city. And, and, and that name carries a lot of strength and weight to it. And I knew right away that was, you know, the, the brand that I wanted to, to develop. So got it. Wait, yeah. so who, so, so when you were selling these bags, um, yeah. were they, so you talk about, you know, 7,000 Instagram followers, you had a Squarespace site, were you guys selling them to friends first? Were you guys doing uh, some advertising for it? You know, yeah. how were you selling the bags? So <clears throat> super long story short, we, 
we launched a Kickstarter campaign. Like I said, that was our first boost. We wanted to raise 15,000 bucks. And the whole goal was to buy enough time and money so that we could graduate with some funds to really get the, the business rolling with that Kickstarter. That was mainly friends and family. But the first initial push on Kickstarter was probably three or $4,000 in that first day. And Kickstarter and then, put us to the top page and, you know, gravity took its course. It. And so, yeah. did, so you created, a, I'm assuming, a video for that and that yeah. shows up and then... Um, what did people get when they donated? Like it was like gradual. Yeah. Gradual stuff. So we had a, okay. we had like a small item was a t-shirt, right? So I think it was like 25 bucks and you had a custom printed t-shirt that had a sweet saying on it. And then the next thing was like a women's tote at 60 bucks. Next thing from there was a, just a really basic backpack and then duffel bags and bigger backpacks after that for like the $200 mark. And then we had stuff like, uh, you know, a thousand bucks and you could create and design your own product. And then we would make it for you and we'd work with you through that process. We ended up having three people do that. My favorite one, just to go off on a tangent here, my favorite one was a an old, uh, really old sail that this guy had on a sailboat for 20 years or something like that. And it was in his garage and, and he just wanted to, you know, have it used in his life again because it was a, a big memory for him. So he sent us the sail and we sent him back a really cool backpack and it's one of his favorite products and it was a really cool experience for us. That's awesome. That's yeah. uh, so how many backpacks were you guys, did you guys sell total in, in this whole period of making it? Yeah, I'd say so in, in total, like, I, I mean, I guess revenue, I don't know total backpacks, but in total, in the two and a half years that we really put into Neverest, um, we probably just clipped over like the $250,000 mark in revenue. Um, That's crazy. What, yeah. what was the decision though to sell it? What did it sell for? Like, how much did you sell it for? And how'd you find the buyer? Yeah, so super interesting. We got back from Europe. We had six months left of school. We basically drove back and forth from campus to print t-shirts for Duluth Screen Printing and, you know, make bags for Neverest. So Mary and I are driving two and a half hours to make stuff on the weekends, driving back home, even sometimes on weeknights. Um, and we graduated in December, moved back up in, in January. And... Uh, it was crickets, as you know. I mean, I didn't understand what a, what a what a slow season was for a startup entrepreneur or, or just being a business, you know. So I picked a weird time, and I didn't get one email or a phone call for three months, and it was just completely – it was reality, you know. And it, it really kind of just brought me into a, a point in which I, I really understood the market a little bit better, and I started doing outreach, and I started getting better at networking. And um, at, the, at that same time, you know, not a lot of people were purchasing backpacks. So – immediately in january do you, do you think that was from because you said the sales slowed down after you moved or after you finished college when we finished college it was january 2016 so crickets right like i mean we just live it we live in a pretty cold climate i mean it was probably zero degrees out for 65 days did that um, happen in the january before no so in the january before we just we weren't and this is kind of interesting the january before I was mainly doing the backpacks. You know, I didn't really have a massive uh, start on Duluth screen printing. So there wasn't a huge, I didn't have the knowledge just that that was going to happen. You know, a slow season was going to hit. I was just still, I was going to school, you know, wasn't used Got to it. Got it. So it's out. Now it's full time. It's like, it, you know, it's, full you got to hit the road or, yep, every yep. Day, you know, every day we show up at, at work and it's Mary and I, and we got a, oh, it was a 1500 square foot facility and everything was there. And there just wasn't emails, nothing was coming in. I didn't know enough to go out and call, you know, cold call people. I just did my best to 
stay positive and continue to outreach and do emails and, and set up meetings and just hustle. You know, that was my biggest goal, but we live in a big, a big hockey culture up here. And I, I was just really surprised that we were picking up any of those orders and no one wait, really wait, knew. I'm sorry. Them. This was the screen printing side, not the, yep. Yep. okay. The, the back. Stuff. Okay. And so as well just, as the back too. Yeah. So the backpack side really quick, you wanted to be able to sell it, right? So you did decide, Hey, we want to sell this business and just focus on the screen printing how did you find a buyer for that? Super simple. I mean, it was uh, a few trade shows, really. So with Neverest it being an American-made product, I went to a few trade shows and pop-up booths where we had the merchandise and we were meeting with customers and people that would want to stock our, our products. And we had one gentleman that was interested out of Tacoma, Washington. And then we had one gentleman that was interested out in Maine. Basically, I told those guys, you know, after that slow season in January of 2016, March hit. And... Duluth screen printing took off. We were busy nonstop uh, for six, seven months straight to the point where we were printing 16 hour days and Mary was exhausted and I was exhausted and we couldn't sew bags anymore. You know, the cost of a product for just our cost on it was like 62 bucks, 63 bucks. So carrying that inventory was really difficult and finding wholesalers was really difficult. So DSP was taken off and skyrocketing and, you know, we could tell that it was really taking a lot of our time and Never rest kept, you know, the market stayed the same and we weren't making enough money on it. Got we it. did one so last- It was just hard to focus on both and it was expensive. Yeah, yeah it was super expensive, super expensive. And so this guy that you talked to at the show, yep. he just said, hey, do you want to just buy the business outright or? He asked a lot of questions you are, you know, how'd you get into it? What's going on? What are your problems? And, and here's the ticket. He owns a manufacturing facility where they pump out products for a, a bunch of different companies. And I told him that was our issue. That was his strength. So he's like, I see the opportunity here. We can capitalize on your Instagram and, you know, your outreach and stuff. So they ended up purchasing the uh, the rights to sell the backpacks and the branding for just under 13000 bucks. You know, it was basically what I had into uh, a few loans and I just wanted to move the company for what it was worth. And I thought it was a great deal, right? It was a huge success to me because DSP was just absolutely blowing up and we were getting orders left and right and we just didn't have the time for never rest anymore. And it made a lot of sense. So we use that money to buy an automatic press pretty yeah, much. Right. Uh, we got a uh, freedom express from workhorse six, eight. Um, we had a super small shop. So looking at different presses, it was the best fit. And the flashback units at the time were a really interesting idea that I never saw, you know, I never saw in person, but I was like, I get it right. If you can have this be a full six color press, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the, you know, the square foot there on the, on the press was like, it's like eight foot, you know, nine or something. It's just super small. So you could fit it anywhere. So you hired Wes as the first person. Who else did you hire as the first couple of people in the shop? Yeah. So we hired Wes and then we hired a few for never us. We hired a few seamstresses and stuff. Um, and then when we sold that, we basically converted those people into production. I was basically super busy just answering emails, talking to people on the phone left and right. And um, Wes was doing a good job with printing and I would help him print and Mary would also help print. So then right after that, I ended up getting an intern and this is kind of my, he's our, uh, he's basically my VP in the whole, in the, in the company. Um, his name's Kyle Farrar and he's a, he's an awesome guy. He's from England. He went to school, St. Scholastica, which is in, which is in Duluth. And we got him signed on as an intern and how'd you find him through friends? Basically I was at a, a networking event and I gave a presentation and, and kind of told my story. And one of his buddies was there and um, they connected us and Kyle came in one day and, and just talked to me and I basically told him, I was like, if you want to, if you want to work here, I need an intern. 
answer these emails. That's all I said, because I was super busy and running behind and I needed to print some shirts. It's like, if you can, you know, formulate some great answers and look at what I, what I usually say, and you can answer some emails, you got a job here. So he did that and he's done an amazing job ever since. And that's, he's been with us for just over two years doing the, that exact same thing. So, so going back to the hiring the first few people. So, uh, you know, Wes was managing or, or was printing, it sounds like, right. And then the first few yep. people, <clears throat> the other people were also either what printing or counting in or shipping, just like everything production focused. Yep. So you had three people in production. You had yep. you two um, marrying yourself in front. Who was doing the artwork? And this is, I mean, this is just so funny to even like think back on and to be completely honest, it was like, no, no one was doing artwork. We didn't provide mock-ups to our customers. We barely could learn Photoshop to get it onto screens. Like it was, <laughs> I have no idea how we even got by. I just look yeah. at it back. I look back now and I, I laugh because people were so, I don't know, they were so trusting in us doing a, a good job and maybe they just, they wanted to give us a shot, but we just had no artwork. And there was nothing. It was, it was crazy. So we always would just, we'd sub out artwork to other people, other people, family and friends. We would require them to have artwork. Um, and then we would use like you a digitizing service. What you could do to get, to just get done. And get Whatever. Bare minimums, absolutely bootstrapped, like no investment, no one was doing it, no interns, uh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely crazy. If you could go back with what you know now, you know, you're about to do two million, which is an awesome size. You've got a great team. If you could go back to when, you know, it was the three of you just really starting to focus on screen printing and starting to take off back in March again, what would you have told yourself then to either save time or money or just, you know, do things better? I think I would have taken out a small loan in, uh, in some equipment and I probably would have got a, um, an exposure unit that burned, you know, just exposes screens quicker. I think our exposure times were at like 12 minutes back then. And it was like kind of a cold and dungeony place, you know, save some money. If I would have had the, had the knowledge taken out a loan to get something that was going to be under a minute, you know, go led. That's what I would have said. Cause I would have just, I spent, you know, days sometimes just burning screens for, you know, the whole weekend burning screens for the whole week. It was just crazy. So yeah, that's one thing for sure. Equipment. Many, you know? uh, yeah, many shop owners when they ask that too, they always say, "Hey, uh, actually, which is a step further. It's just a direct to screen." There you uh, go. Yeah. But that's interesting. What about like one crucial hire that really helped you out? I think it would probably be Kyle. You know that getting an intern in, and I, I say this because the way that we went about training in Kyle and and hiring Kyle has really been a standard as to how I've, I've slowly brought people in. I believe in leaders. I believe in hiring leaders. I believe in hiring the best talent that I can. And I let those guys know that, you know, they're in it with me and, and it's more of a co-op uh, when it comes to this business. And if everybody does well and everybody takes care of the business, it'll take care of them. And we really preached that with Kyle on day one and just letting them know that, hey, you know, you're an intern now, but if, if you continue to do great things, you're going to, you're going to have a full-time job when you graduate in May. And that was our goal. And, and we took him through a lot of, you know, he learned how to print first, right? So he was, he was on the floor for two and a half, three weeks where we were just getting him, you know, associated with inks and uh, different screen meshes to talk to customers about. I mean, the whole nine yards vocabulary stuff, just so that he could understand what was going on. Sure. Um, and we still do that today. When we get somebody in new, they start on productions. Uh, they got to, they got to clean screens for two weeks usually, which is just kind of a funny thing. But um, the new hires start at the bottom and we slowly, you know, train them in on the printing, the printing side. And then if, if it fits and they love it, they stay. And if there was already a planned role for them elsewhere, 
they'll leave at that point. So Kyle was the big hire just because he allowed me to do a better job with printing and manufacturing and, and also do some more outreach. So I was able to thank our customers more, get out in the community more and really start to grow Duluth Screen Printing's brand and, and awareness. That's awesome. Um, so, so really, yeah. so a role to really free you up based on yeah. the things that you're doing that I would dare to say you shouldn't be doing, right? It's like you're saying it, right? I need to be out there talking to people, thanking people, talking to customers, you know, bringing in sales. But you were stuck, you know, in emails, you were stuck in the back. You, you yeah. know, you had to. That's very yeah. cool. You talked about going from 1 million to 2 million. What grew the sales to that? You know, was yeah. there specific sales channels? Was there something you did? Was there something you bought? What was it? You know, I think getting over that million dollar mark, we were well on our way to the two million, if that's making any sense as far as like just where where things were clicking so right with manufacturing and we had everybody in their roles and everybody was doing such a great job of taking care of, you know, their role the best that they, they possibly could. And that really helped us do a better job with manufacturing altogether. But I can tell you right now and you know, this is my advice to anybody, but we've built ourselves on speed. Simple stuff. We, we print a lot of stuff for customers that are putting it on the shelves so they can sell it over the weekend. And if they can't, you know, sell that faster, we can't get orders really faster. So my goal was to, in any way possible, shorten up our, our lead times to, you know, three days, four days, two days at times, just get stuff out as fast as possible so that our customers can sell it and they can reorder. That's awesome. What is your thought process in terms of speed so you can get your turnaround time up? Is it something you bought or is it a role? Is it is it a mindset? What what has helped you in that? Organization. Really stepping back and looking at your your shop and just figuring out where you can cut little corners here and, and, and developing the things, you know, spending time on the things that take a long time to do and really making sure that those become more efficient. I would say the biggest thing that helped us was having set printing teams, you know, we split the shop up uh, now where, you know, there might be three guys on one set of jobs and three guys on another set of jobs and just working in teams, whether it's someone always catching, uh, pulling off, putting on, setting jobs up, taking jobs down, those teams and that, that teamwork, I think has really helped because we then incentivize that inside the shop by, you know, offering lunch or just, you know, if that team prints the most that day, they get points and they get, you know, a $50 bonus on the next paycheck or something. So we just try to do fun things like that, that really help with the speed. That's but I would cool. say, I'd say teamwork is really fun. That's helped us. We've also invested, you know, a lot of money into shop, you know, management systems, obviously you guys, right? Printavo providing us a great service where we can look at our schedule from two weeks out and see what we can move up, but also making sure that anything that's out on the floor is getting done correctly. You know, the mock-up systems, the accuracy of actually seeing stuff out on the floor in real time for us as a sales role, you know, connect, it basically just connects all the departments. That's, that's the biggest thing, you know, connecting all the departments and, and having real-time statuses has been probably one of the, the biggest things for us to get stuff done quicker because then we know where stuff's at at all times. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's really cool. What, what do you feel like is a, the biggest challenge for you guys right now? I, I took a step back for about two weeks and I took some time off just to really look at, you know, where I was really needed and, and where I could help. And I think from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, we're kind of capping out right now to what we can do in a 12 hour, you know, shift basically. So for us, I think we, we need some more equipment. We need to, we need to invest in some stuff that's going to really speed up uh, some processes that are taking us a long time. Direct to screen is something we're looking at. Um, obviously it's also 
sustainable in the long run. And, and we've just had so many issues with artwork. Like everybody probably talks about, you know, our dark room is a, it's a mess all the time. And it's one of those things that just often gets put at the bottom and it's costing hundreds of dollars a day, probably in, in time. So that's one thing that I think we need to improve on, but altogether, I would say, you know, time, right. It's, it's always, it always comes down to time. And I think training people in a little bit longer so that they can, they can do a little bit better at their job is kind of our next thing. So getting our staff trained up a little bit more, I think is going to be huge. Um, and then just upgrading our equipment a little bit more to uh, making sure stuff's clicking on all, all fronts. And then so hiring the screen, are you, are you talking about press wise too, or, or so we just picked up a, we just picked up a, an eco and it's been an amazing, the rock eco. It's been an amazing press for us. It's a P14, I think is what we got right now. Yeah, it sounds right. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And we just picked one up and it's, it's been an amazing press. We love it. It's been hammering stuff out. Um, the setup time on it has been really, really quick. We don't even use the pre-registration system, but it's just a, it's a workhorse when it comes to cranking stuff out. So we love the new rock. We got a, a nice long dryer that complements it and we rip stuff on that all day long. We're getting into uh, the embroidery business right now as well. So that's kind of a, a next big thing for revenue and just keeping customers on and you know, I'd love to talk more with anybody in the industry about this, but we've noticed that not providing the embroidery or even having, you know, somebody that we can recommend has really discouraged a lot of repeat business, I think, just from customers not, you know, entrusting us and to be a one-stop shop. Sure. Uh, They're looking for you to do it yeah, all. Yeah, they don't want to do piecemeal. Or, yeah, yeah. So getting into embroidery is going to be huge for that next stage of us and our growth. Um, and we just ordered one up and it's going to be here in about two weeks. So we're launching that in 2019. Uh, the DTG, we picked up a brother, uh, 381, and it's been an amazing machine for us. We don't even run the white on it. We just use it for all, uh, you know, full color garments. And, and we pitch our customers on running stuff on just like a raglan or an ash colored shirt or oatmeal or natural, staying sure. away from white, but still getting away with it so that they can hit, you know, a great vibrancy of color and not, yeah crazy yeah. setup and that keeps our our one to two color jobs that we just get all day long just absolutely ripping on the presses so that that's awesome for- that's yeah. awesome how has been managing the business side been going you know with people finance accounting how do you do that do you do you have someone externally that that you lend all this to or do you use quickbook or like what yeah so this all comes into financing and talking about money you know you asked me how does how does somebody acquire funds to run a shop and we've bootstrapped since day one just by you know long hours hustling like every entrepreneur does um but immediately right away when i graduated school i knew that accounting and finance was going to be it's my biggest weakness and the entrepreneurship classes that i took you know a lot of the stuff that i took away from that was finding your strengths and running with them so i sought out an investor or a partner or somebody that i could you know rely on to do uh, the accounting and, and also help with finances just because it was one of those things that I knew that if I if I had to put my time and energy into it, we wouldn't go anywhere. So I found an investor and I found a, a business partner. Uh, he's still active today. His name's Lucas. He lives in Chicago. Um, he's actually Adam Thielen's football agent, which is kind of a sweet little deal. So we can uh, cheer on the Vikings from afar and get some of their accounts too. We print some of his merch, which is really great. Um, but I found a guy, Luke Invice, and he's the man. He's been our basically a, a co-owner and a, and a and an investor and he runs all of our books and makes sure that we, when I want to do something, he makes sure that the numbers check out so we can do it. So it's amazing. Experience. So when you first, like right when you graduated, 
Um, you reached out to him. First of all, how did you find him? Through school. Uh, St. John's, the university itself, has a really great networking. Okay. Uh, just a networking community. And I found him through the Entrepreneurship Center. I told them right away, hey, I'm looking for somebody that, you know, might be a, a CPA accountant. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got a few Johnnies. You know, we're the St. John's Johnnies. And we got a few Johnnies that we'd recommend. And he came up. I met with them, told them what I was looking at doing. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to help. So it was really That's cool. Awesome. And he's... He, he was, I think he's 27, so he's pretty young. So, so he, he helps big. run all the finance side. It makes that easy yep. for you to, to run the operations and sales. Um, yeah. Money put in. So obviously you had some cash saved up, I'm sure, to get going too. If you were to go back and tell someone, hey, this is how much money it would be good to have to really accelerate early on, what would that number be? You got to at least have 10000 bucks. you know, just from like an ordering standpoint of, equipment you know so that's after equipment all said and done you got equipment in the shop you got everything there find a way to get ten thousand bucks in the bank just to make sure you're covering your bills you're paying yourself you have the ability to order when you rip through ten thousand dollars worth of product in a single order with a with a big customer um, i would say that's pretty much the bare minimum that you got to have and you know for us we didn't have that in cash we had it on a credit card you know so we had some some space that we would just use and we really bootstrapped it anywhere we could buy used equipment, buy used ink, buy, you know, lots of stuff off of eBay just to save a dime. We did. And we also, you know, like I said, Mary and I printed for two years nonstop on a manual press at least 12 hours a day. Yeah. Bootstrapping it 10,000 bucks minimum, I'd say. Yeah. Just from going through the flow, because it, it, it kind of reminds me of myself a bit, but I stopped after college and you kept going, which is awesome. And just because I went on the software end, but you know, looking at the business now, you talk about some of the challenges. What keeps you up at night right now that, yeah. that, you're, that you're either worried about or, or you're saying, hey, we have got to work on this better? Yeah, yeah. And then I you talked about the organization, like getting faster and and, yeah. and focusing on that. But You know, nine, nine to five is really all about the production and, and the business and, and making sure that we're getting stuff out the door. When I come home at night, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about our employees. I really am. Um, you know, we got 19 people and every single day it feels like that spider web of people that I am in some way responsible for continues to grow, you know, and, and it, it trickled out, it trickles down from an employee we have to their family, to everybody else beneath that. And then it goes to guys like yourself that we, you know, have, have services with, you know, people we, we purchase equipment from. You know, so I think what keeps me up at night is just all the people that I'm I'm constantly entangled with that sometimes I never feel like I'm always keeping up with them or, or uh, how do you make sure to keep them happy? Yeah, I mean, last and this is a tip for any anybody who's in this situation. Um, I think when I took some time off, I developed a new system to have one on one meetings at the end of every month. I schedule one day. I send out the schedule as to when we're meeting and. For 20 minutes or 15 minutes or a half hour, uh, I meet with everybody and I talk to them about their goals. I talk That's to every day. Like how often do you do that with them? Once a month. Okay. Once a month. And, Got yep, it. Yep. And then I, we, we generate a nice little sheet with goals for them to work on next month. If they got any problems with me, uh, they can talk to me and, and we can address them and, and figure what kind out. Of questions, what kind of questions do you ask them? Why are you here? You know, I think that's one of the biggest things that I can ask those guys right away because I want them to always, you know, always feel like they're there, not just for a job or having money. I want them to feel like they're a part of the future of this company and, and they see the opportunity that we have to to grow and really do amazing things in the community and, and also just set up our ourselves to have a really great life. How do you feel like you give ownership to someone who may be doing a very repetitive 
job, right? Like it can get a bit mundane, right? It's yeah, no secret sure. that, you know, if you're running a manual and press for, for sure. you know, hours and hours a day, um, you may not feel like you're progressing, but how do you think about that? And how do you push that on your team too? It's the little things, of course, right? Like picking up lunch here and there and, and just being, you know, being the best, best you you can be you know i'm always trying to be an uplifting guy i walk out on the on the production floor and i'm trying to cheer guys up and just keep them attitude light um i let them listen to whatever music they want so they can jam out and have a good time buy them lunch when i can like i said um, how often do you do the lunch thing i'd say it's probably once a week those guys every once in a while they get it two times a week um and we also have a little policy too where you know we believe in business to business you know as the, as do everybody else but uh if the guys want to go grab you know we print for a lot of breweries and a lot of restaurants they want to go grab a meal there and say hi to the owner or say hi to people there um and they bring me their receipt back i'll happily reimburse it just so that cool. you know i can't i can't be That's everywhere cool. yeah i can't be everywhere so if, if they want to go out there and you know show a face and and, and make sure that we're appreciative too they got a good idea business. it's like yeah. thanking them for their business too yeah, yeah like it. It, it goes a long ways. You know, we send our sales reps or even just some of our main production guys to places and they'll go have a beer and, you know, they'll be chatting with the bartender and all of a sudden they'll come in with a sticky note of an order that, you know, it's just, it's just funny stuff like that. So uh, that's one way to do it. But the retail store, uh, we opened up a retail store in Canal Park and, you know, it's a really cool experience because it's live printing inside the store and it, it really brings together a bunch of artists and that store is called Flagship, but it's really for the employees. You know, it's one of those things that if the guys want to pick up extra hours, they can go there on the weekends and print. If they want to design something and get it into the store, they can do that. Um, so it's a really great thing for our artists and our graphic artists to keep those guys focused and, and feel like they're being rewarded and also having a great time because they have the ability to, you know, design something and bring it to an audience of a few thousand people at least coming through the store. But That's other awesome. than, yeah, what other was than, the decision of behind opening up that retail front versus a warehouse just to stay lean there? Was it like, you know, brand or to sell retail clothing or? Yeah. In Duluth, we have a, a wonderful tourist market that comes here all summer long. I saw after three years of having a, a printing business, the amount of shirts that can just pile up in a facility for misorders and random stuff. Sure, and, sure, yeah. you know, it was probably, it was probably $30,000 in inventory just sitting on the shelves um, from a few years of work, some missed jobs here and there, reorders, misorders, you, you know, a bunch of different stuff. And that was a huge factor into it of us, you know, let's open up a retail store so we can unload some of these, some of these garments that we have sitting around. Um, but a lot of it really was for the employees. You know, I just really wanted something special um, I wanted to do t-shirts differently because in our town, uh, there's just so many touristy shops and I just don't feel like it really encapsulates or embodies what Duluth is. And, and I really want people to come here and understand the rich, the rich history. And, and we do that by uh, telling, telling stories through our t-shirts. So. Okay. Awesome, Ian. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah, that's great. Quite a ways, but um, you've got a super interesting story. You've got an awesome Instagram that we follow as well. You've got a yeah, really nice, clean website as well. So um, I love everything you guys have going on there. So I appreciate it. And I hope I get yeah. to make it to Duluth as well. Anytime. I got a place for anybody to stay if they ever let me know. So just come on up. Take care. Perfect. Of you. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Bye. Bye.